Welcome to eBible Fellowship's Sunday Bible Study. For broadcast times in your area of these studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now it's time to begin our Sunday study with your speaker, Chris McCann. Hello and welcome to eBible's Sunday Afternoon Online Fellowship. Today in our Bible study will be study number 9 of Jeremiah chapter 50. And we're going to be reading Jeremiah 50, verses 14 through 16. Put yourselves in array against Babylon round about, all ye that bend the bow. Shoot at her, spare no arrows, for she has sinned against Jehovah. Shout against her round about. She has given her hand, her foundations are fallen, her walls are thrown down. For it is the vengeance of Jehovah, take vengeance upon her. As she has done, do unto her. Cut off the sower from Babylon, and him that handleth the sickle in the time of harvest. For fear of the oppressing sword, they shall turn everyone to his people, and they shall flee everyone to his own land. And I'll stop reading there. Now we've been uh, in our Sunday studies looking at Jeremiah 50, and uh, we saw that God is likening um, all of those that he has saved, the whole company of the elect, to a mighty army. And in the day of judgment, we do find that the Bible tells us that the Lord Jesus Christ comes and all the saints with him, and the Bible speaks of judgment day as a day of battle, Armageddon. It is a, a a time of final battle with the kingdom of God against the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of darkness. And so, yes, the believers are pictured as a mighty army going forth victoriously in the day of judgment. We uh, we have clear, definite um illustrations of this in Revelation chapter 19, where the Lord Jesus Christ is upon a white horse and and going forth into the battle of Judgment Day, and all the armies of heaven, all the saints of God clothed in white, are also riding white horses with him. And that's what Jeremiah 50 is picturing, only we have to Keep in mind that Babylon is a reference to this world or to the kingdom of Satan that would include, actually at this time, all churches. All The churches become a part of his kingdom of this world and the kingdom of darkness. And, and now uh, Babylon that has destroyed the church, Babylon that has been used by God to bring destruction to the churches and congregations, now is receiving its just end. And so God said here, Put yourselves in array against Babylon roundabout. All ye that bend the bow, shoot at her, spare no arrows. And And we saw in our last study that shooting arrows has to do with speaking. When uh, the wicked uh, use their mouth to shoot at the upright, and and of course they do it in an evil way. They speak 
underhandedly, deceitfully, they speak lies. But God likens it to a someone who has shot an arrow. Now, the true believers, when they shoot arrows, we don't speak lies. We speak the truth. And, and that is the weapon that God would have his people to use in the day of judgment is to learn the truth of the word of God concerning judgment day as it is God's plan, according to Romans 2 verse 5, to bring uh, a better understanding of the righteous judgment of God. It is God's plan to reveal in the day of judgment, the, uh, to bring revelation of the righteous judgment of God. And and that's why we've been learning so much about Judgment Day uh, since May 21, 2011, as, as we have entered into the day of God's wrath. We have also entered into the day of the revelation of the righteous judgment of God. And, and God says, shoot at her, spare no arrows. We are not to hold back. We are not to conceal these things as we, um, for a time, improperly thought. We, we thought, well, uh, judgment day is here. The world was warned. There's no need to tell them anything further. We, we did not have all the information we have now. We did not know. As as at the beginning of Jeremiah 50, for instance, remember, uh, it said in verse 2, Declare ye among the nations, and publish, and set up a standard, publish, and conceal not. Say, Babylon is taken. And what a great, um, strong emphasis God is putting on sharing these things concerning Babylon's fall. He even tells us, say, this is what you are to say. Babylon is taken. And that can only mean, since Babylon was taken at the end of 70 years, the and that 70-year period typifies the Great Tribulation, that we are to, to speak and, and talk about the fall of, of the world at the end of the Great Tribulation. Uh, you know, we, we can't have it both ways. And some people, they want to have it both ways They're concerning Babylon. They, they don't want to recognize that Babylon represents the world. They, they insist, oh no, no, Babylon's a type of the church. Uh, okay, but, but when God, um, tells the Jews, the people of Judah, they must go into Babylon. And we we recognize that Judah is a type and figure of the church and leaving Judah and going into Babylon represents going into the world. It, that's correct, isn't it? Well, yes, yes, people will say that's correct. So there, Babylon represents the world. When we come out of Judah, and we go into captivity into Babylon, that's a picture of going into the world. Well, yes. Okay, well, the, the, that's one way that Babylon represents the world. There's no doubt about it. There's no question. We were teaching that prior to May 21. Also, we understand that the 70-year period of 
the the Babylonian captivity until its end. Um, uh, actually, it began in 609 BC when good King Josiah fell in battle, and and it wasn't the Babylonians at that time. But that began the 70 year period until 539 BC when Babylon fell at the hands of the kings of the Medes and the Persians. And and we recognize that 70-year period is a, a figure, a historical figure of the Great Tribulation. Is that correct? Well, yes, that is correct. The 70 years was a type of the Great Tribulation because it was a, a period of great tribulation for the people of God as God raised up Nebuchadnezzar, a, a type of Satan, and brought him and, and Babylon against Judah, and he caused Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon to be victorious, and and that's why uh, the, the whole figure of the, the Jews going into Babylon represents the end of the church age and God's people going into the world and so forth. And then the 70-year period concludes... And that's the end of the historical tribulation, but, and it, and it figures, it points to the end of the great tribulation. Isn't that right? Yes, that's right. Therefore, when Babylon falls, when Babylon is taken by, uh, King Darius, also known as Cyrus, who is, uh, pictured clearly as a type of Christ, and Cyrus takes the kingdom in uh, one night, uh, and he, he takes Babylon by surprise. They're having a party that we, we read about it in Daniel 5. The king of Babylon is with his lords. They have no clue, no idea that that very night uh, Babylon will be taken and the king will be slain. It very much illustrates the Lord Jesus Christ coming as a thief in the night, as as the king of the Medes and the Persians comes suddenly and 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 quickly, and he takes the kingdom of Babylon, and that illustrates God coming at the end of the Great Tribulation period, as at the end of the seventy years. That's when Babylon was taken. And Christ being exalted and victorious and, and, uh, the king of the Medes and the Persians became the king of Babylon. And that's what the end of the 70 years points to. So there's another proof that Babylon is representing the world, the kingdom of Satan at the end of the great tribulation period. Babylon falls and and that is the time when God transitions the judgment from the church to the world. And the world falls at the end of the 23-year Great Tribulation period. It's the time of their judgment. And 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 so that's why God speaks of uh, punishing Babylon for the vengeance of his temple because they have already destroyed his temple throughout the uh, 23-year uh, Great Tribulation, or uh, historically they had already destroyed Judah throughout that 70-year period. And now it is time for vengeance. 
There, there is really no question, absolutely no question, Babylon's fall pictures judgment day. And, and just read Isaiah 13. Now I, I know I've gone over this and over this, but, um, some people just have this stuck in their minds and, and, uh, they, they just, um, have a difficult time with it. Uh, uh, because we, we were taught for some time, well, Babylon is the church, and, and no. Isaiah 13 verse 1, the burden of Babylon, which Isaiah the son of Amos did see. Isaiah 13 is written, or, uh, uh, it is concerning the burden of Babylon. And in this, a chapter dealing with the burden of Babylon. We read in verse 9, Behold, the day of Jehovah cometh, cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in his going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. And I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. Now, what is that talking about? When we read in verse 9, the day of Jehovah comes. And verse 10, the stars of heaven and, and are not giving their light and the sun is darkened and the moon will not cause our light to shine. Well, just quickly think of Matthew twenty four twenty nine. Immediately after the tribulation, the sun is darkened. We, we have the parallel verse that identifies with the end of the great tribulation. And again, let me repeat it. This is Isaiah 13, 1, the burden of Babylon. Now, see the relationship already there. We read of the darkened sun, which the Bible tells us occurs at the end of the Great Tribulation. When did Babylon fall? The end of 70 years. And that 70 years typified the Great Tribulation. And and there's no doubt of anyone that is honest reading Isaiah 13. And, and yeah, we, we have to say that because some people are not honest, not inwardly. They don't have an honest heart, according to the Bible. The heart of man is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. So it's not that difficult for someone with a deceitful heart to look at any verse in the Bible and and uh, come up with uh, other um, ways of understanding it. And especially someone who desperately does not want to admit what God is doing at this time. Someone desperately attempting to disprove these things. They, they, uh, would see the church here. They'll, they, they see the church in Isaiah 24. They see the church everywhere. It's amazing how, how easily and quickly some people find uh, the the language concerning the judgment on the church they they want every every place in the bible to talk about the judgment on the church uh, 
They, they, they're comfortable with that. They like that idea, pointing the finger over there at the churches. Oh yes, they're the evil ones, the wicked ones. God is judging them constantly, constantly. The fingers pointed at the church. Well, God has brought the judgment home to roost, like that saying goes. God has brought the judgment to their doorsteps, to right where they live, out in the world. And and some came out of the churches, not because they uh, they really wanted to obey God, but because they're very independent, natural-minded, prideful people. They... They don't want anyone telling them what to do. And they like the idea of being on their own. And, and now, of course, they, the same individuals, uh, like the idea of just, just me and the Bible. No teachers. No, no church. No teachers. No, nothing but me and the Bible. That's the only safety they think. And, and then they come up with any any idea under the sun concerning what the Bible says. And, oh, nobody can tell them anything about it because it's just them and the Bible. The one thing they've forgotten is, yes, you, of course, the church has fallen away and there's error there. And, yes, there's much error with teachers that those that are teaching, contrary to the way God has established and set things up for the methodology that a teacher is to follow. Of course, that's true. But the same problem with teachers can be found with an individual. And that is that individual may twist the Bible individually as he personally reads the Bible. And now who's going to help him? Now who's going to correct him. He won't receive any correction. Oh no, we're we're not to I'm I'm not going to listen to any man. Just me and the Bible. Well, yes, but you have a distorted view. And and uh, it you forgot the the big problem is that mind that resides in inside of you and and the scriptures are filtering through that mind. Well, uh the, of course I, I don't know how we get off on that. Let's go back to Isaiah 13. And we saw in verses 9 through 11, there's no question that this is speaking of judgment day at the end of the world, the judgment on the world. God says in verse 11, I will punish the world for their evil. And then um, verse 13 of Isaiah 13. Therefore, I will shake the heavens and the earth shall remove out of her place. The context is continuing on with judgment day. And then notice in verse 17, Behold, I will stir up the meads against them, which shall not regard silver, and as for gold, they shall not delight in it. Now, why the meads? Why is God referring to stirring up the meads? Well, remember... At the end of 70 years, who came against Babylon? The Medes and the Persians. King Darius, also known as Cyrus, took Babylon in one night. And, and, and so we see by the reference to the Medes, God is still referring to the world as Babylon. And then it's confirmed in verse 19 of Isaiah 13. And Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, the beauty 
of the Chaldees' excellency shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. It shall never be inhabited, neither shall it be dwelled in from generation to generation. And uh, the, the, the never being inhabited would mean it is desolate, and that points to the absence of God the Holy Spirit, as God has abandoned the world concerning salvation, just as he did to the churches. It's the same cup of his wrath that he's delivering to them. And 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 so Isaiah 13 begins, verse 1, the burden of Babylon. God goes on to transition and speaking of the judgment of the world, and then he smoothly transitions back to speaking of Babylon and, and its fall as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. Is there any doubt? Is there any doubt who Babylon is representing? Well, no. Again, if, if we're able to, um, to see how all these things fit together, there, there's no doubt. Now let me read this verse to again remind us in Jeremiah 51, in verse 49, as Babylon has caused the slain of Israel to fall. Now what is that spiritually pointing to? It is pointing to Satan's kingdom who judged the church. Satan is typified by the king of Babylon and they caused the slain of Israel to fall. They came against Israel historically just as Satan came against the churches in in the time of uh, the judgment upon the congregations. And then it goes on to say, So at Babylon shall fall the slain of all the earth. Who's going to fall at Babylon? Is it the slain of Israel? Is it the slain of Judea, which would point to the church? No. The slain of all the earth, the whole world will fall at Babylon. And that's what uh, Jeremiah 50 and 51 are detailing as God is going into um, specific details concerning the judgment of Babylon in order to instruct us specifically of the judgment upon the world at the time of the end. And and that judgment began on May 21 of 2011. And, and so God says, shoot at her, spare no arrows. And, and again, publish and conceal not. We have no excuse. We have uh, no more allowance for confusion. We we were confused. We we were brought suddenly uh, into the fire, into the severe testing, and we had no advance warning that we did not think that true believers would remain and and um, go through Judgment Day, uh, just as it was news, really, when we learned that true believers would go through the Great Tribulation. Some theologians had said, oh no, the believers are raptured before the Great Tribulation. But the Bible confirmed, no, the believers go through the Great Tribulation. And many theologians, if not all, 
had said the believers would not go through the day of judgment. Well, they'll be gone. They'll be raptured. They will not remain upon the earth. Yet God says when he comes, he emphasizes that his people were alive and remaining. That's said twice. It's repeated in First Thessalonians chapter 4. Those that were alive and remain upon the earth. And, and that's because, um, it, he, he left them in order to try them. And it certainly has been a trial and will continue to be a trial until this prolonged period of judgment day for the world and, and this prolonged period of testing for the true children of God. 1600 days is the very likely duration. And that breaks down to 40 times 40 days. 40 times 40 is 1,600. And and that points to this severe test. And during this time, we are to speak, we are to hand out tracts, we are to share information, share truth, and do all the things that we did before except give no... Um, idea to anybody that God is still saving. We're to be very uh, clear about that. No, no, God has ended his salvation program. We're, we're sorry about it. Uh, we would, we would want, we would desire, as uh, it says in Luke 16, with those that are with Lazarus and Abraham's bosom, there, there's a desire to bring a little drop of water to one that uh, that is in hell, in uh, in the grave, and that is uh, the condition of the world today. As God has guaranteed the death of every unsaved individual by ending His salvation plan, by establishing that great gulf uh, fixed between the righteous who will remain righteous and between the filthy that will remain filthy and and never again can one that is spiritually filthy um, leave that condition and enter into the condition of the righteous. No, the gulf is fixed and it will not move and and God is the one who has determined that they which would, it says in Luke 16, there is a desire expressed Yes, they which would come from hence to you cannot. There is an inability. The door is shut. And no man can open what God has shut. That action of shutting the door was taken by God. And only God can can uh, open it. And he has determined not to. When the many are crying in the day of judgment, Lord, Lord, open to us, because God has risen up and has shut to the door. Do we read in in Luke 13 or Matthew 7 that the Lord opens the door? No, he does not. He says, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. And uh, I never knew you. There is no action to open the door once it has been closed in the day of judgment and 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 so uh, that that is our present situation well let's let's uh, uh, go to Jeremiah 50 at the end of verse 14 
Shoot at her, spare no arrows, for she has sinned against Jehovah. She has sinned, and it's referring to Babylon. And God, uh, of course, uh, has made it known what Babylon's sin was. What was Babylon's sin? Well, God raised up Babylon, and historically, he raised up King Nebuchadnezzar, and he made him a great king, and God brought him against the rebellious people of Judah, God's own people, due to their rebellion, and God caused him to be be victorious and, and so forth. And likewise, God raised up Satan. He loosed Satan at the time of the end. Satan didn't loose himself. He was bound by Christ at the cross for the figurative thousand years. And, and then he was loosed. Jesus is the one who has the keys of the bottomless pit. And the keys, you can lock someone up and you can open up their lock and loose them. And so God loosed Satan and immediately we find in Revelation 11 that once he was loosed, he ascended from the bottomless pit and overcame the two witnesses. It says in Revelation chapter 11. And, and then he took his seat as the man of sin in the temple, showing himself that he was God. And, and all that was according to the perfect will of God, to God's plan for beginning judgment at his house, at, at the house of God, and in destroying the churches and congregations of the world through Satan and his emissaries. That is what Babylon's destruction of Judea pictured and typified, and, and yet that is also Babylon's sin. They dared to raise their hand against God's anointed. They dared to come against the people of God. God didn't make them come against his people. He, of course, uh, willed it in the sense of allowing it to happen, that this was the wickedness of the king of Babylon, the wickedness of the Babylonians, and God used that for his own purposes. Likewise, God didn't loose Satan and tell him, now here's what you're to do. Satan did what he does naturally. He's always wanted to be like God. He's always concentrated on the churches. Uh, Even during the church age, uh, there were synagogues of Satan, according to Revelation 2 and 3. And He always was attempting to distort the truth of the gospel. And so God finally allowed him to overcome the churches and lifted his hand of restraint upon him. And and now all the church, 100% of the church, was destroyed at the time of the end of the church age. And this fulfilled God's plan and purpose for the judgment on the congregations. But Satan, it was his sin. It was the sin of his emissaries. It was the sin of his kingdom to do this to the church, the church called by the name of Christ, the church that was holy, 
due to its association with the word of God, with God himself. And, and, and so they dared to stretch forth their hand against God's anointed and therefore they sinned against the Lord. And, and we read in, um, Revelation chapter 18. In Revelation 18, beginning in verse 4, and I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Reward her even as she rewarded you, and double unto her double according to her works. In the cup which she has filled, fill to her double. You see, Babylon's sin. Babylon, um, notice God refers to the cup which she has filled. And, and God used Babylon as an instrument of his wrath to give the cup of his wrath to the church, to the people called by his name. But then it's transferred. It's the day of transition. And, and God says, now I'm going to judge you, Babylon, for your sins in daring to come against my people. And, and therefore God says, reward her or pay her as she has rewarded you double unto her, double to her works. And, and in the cup which she has filled, fill to her double. Why does God say that? What does that mean? Well, we, we saw in, Revelation chapter 8, when God was describing the judgment upon the corporate church, that it was a judgment on the third part. Again and again, 11 times, it mentioned the third part coming under the wrath of God. And uh, the third part normally identifies with true believers. And, and, that, and the church took upon themselves that identification because... The true believers were in the churches for almost 2,000 years. But, of course, once the um, the third part was destroyed, it ultimately identified with uh, the corporate body, the, the, the outward manifestation of God's kingdom that you find in the Baptists and, and the Reformed and the Catholic and, and so forth, all those churches of the world. They were the third part, and remember the third. Uh, oh, you can write the um, the third part if you were to write it as a, a decimal as three 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 or point three three three, and and then uh, fill to her double. Well, what is double of the third part? There's uh, God breaks down the human race in Zechariah thirteen, and there the third part identifies with His people. And then there's the other two parts that identify with the unsaved. And two parts is double a third part. And, and, and so in the day of judgment, it's time to transfer the judgment from the third part to the rest of the unsaved mankind, typified by two parts. Or if written as a decimal, six, six, six. It is the number of man, the number of unsaved natural man. And, and so uh, the cup was filled, 
for the people of God, the third part, now fill to Babylon double. This is another proof that Babylon is representative of all the unsaved people of the world. It, it is the doubling of God's judgment. Of course, these are not actual figures that there's uh, far less than a third. Well, let's see. The, the church number is about two billion and they typify the third part. And then the world, uh, the population of the world is over seven billion. So there would be about five billion the rest of mankind. It's not exact numbers, but the idea is the cup of wrath was given to the third part. Now give the cup of wrath to two-thirds, and that doubles the wrath. It, it doubles the, the payment, the punishment for the world as far as the, uh, the figure of uh, one-third, two-third goes. Well, let, let's go back to Jeremiah 50, and we'll read verse 15. Shout against her roundabout. She has given her hand, her foundations are fallen, her walls are thrown down, for it is the vengeance of Jehovah. Take vengeance upon her, as she has done. Do unto her. Shout against her roundabout. Now, uh, this is a shout of God's triumphant army as it goes forth into battle in the day of judgment. And this uh, word shout here is the same word that's found in Joel chapter 2. And Joel 2 is uh, picturing the, the, the same thing. God's triumphant army going forth in the day of judgment. In uh, Joel 2... It says in verse 1, Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Now the phrase, sound an alarm, is a translation of the same Hebrew word that's translated as shout. And and so we could read this, Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, and shout in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of Jehovah cometh for it is nigh at hand. And and again, uh, this would tie in what we're reading in Jeremiah 50 with the day of Jehovah. Shout against her roundabout, Jeremiah 50, 15 says, she has given her hand, her foundations are fallen. Now, th- this statement, she has given her hand, it, it's sort of um, unexplained, it uh, God isn't um, specific at what he's referring to. And and so we wonder uh, what is in view by this language that she has given her hand. Well, we do read in Revelation 17, and, and uh, again, she would be referring to Babylon. She has given her hand. Babylon has given her hand. In Revelation 17... It says in verse 4, And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. So there Babylon has this golden cup of all kinds of abomination and filthiness in her hand. 
And, and then we read in Isaiah 51, in Isaiah 51, um, beginning in verse 21, it says, Therefore hear now this, thou afflicted and drunken, but not with wine. Thus saith thy Lord Jehovah, and thy God that pleadeth the cause of his people. Behold, I have taken out of thine hand the cup of trembling, even the dregs of the cup of my fury. Thou shalt no more drink it again, but I will put it into the hand of them that afflict thee, which have said to thy soul, Bow down that we may go over, and thou hast laid thy body as the ground, and as the street to them that went over. Now here God is speaking of the cup of his wrath, and then he, uh, in verse 23, says he will put it into the hand of them that afflict thee. And and that does identify and, and relate precisely with what Babylon has done. Babylon afflicted the people of God, and then God um, takes the cup and puts it in Babylon's hand. So I, I I'm not completely sure that that's what's in view here, but it could be. Shout against her round about, she has given her hand, or she's put forth her hand as God has put the cup of his wrath into it. Maybe what uh, what this phrase is referring to. Well, then it goes on to say, her foundations are fallen, her walls are thrown down. And Babylon's foundations are fallen and and uh, that's a um, common refrain actually uh, it, it's found a few places in the bible babylon is fallen is fallen it's normally repeated and and god emphasizes that tremendously because it is um the fall of the kingdom of satan which is the fall of this world. May 21, 2011 was a great day. It was the day of Satan's fall, the day he was put down and deposed and lost all rule and authority that he had been given once he was loosed and he became the beast, given authority to rule for 42 months, which was a a number that identified with the the complete duration of the Great Tribulation period, which actually was 23 years. But then, at the end of 23 years, he lost the authority, and God has put him down. Yes, Satan exists. He continues to exist, but he no longer has that authority over the world and over the church. But Christ is ruling with a rod of iron over all. Just as the king of the Medes and the Persians began to rule over Babylon and, and took the title of the king of Babylon. And, and so, uh, Babylon has fallen. Now we, we read in 2 Kings 25 and uh, verses 8 through 10, and this is when Babylon broke down the walls of Judah. This is 2 Kings 25 and verse 8. 
And in the fifth month, on the seventh day of the month, which is the nineteenth year of King Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came Nebuzaradan, captain of the guard, a servant of the king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem. And he burnt the house of Jehovah, and the king's house, and all the houses of Jerusalem, and every great man's house burnt he with fire, and all the army of the Chaldees that were with the captain of the guard break down the walls of Jerusalem round about. What a terrible day that was, uh, uh, an awful, grievous time that they burnt the house of Jehovah, they burnt uh, every uh, great man's house, they tore down the walls of Jerusalem. And And what did that represent? What did that typify? Well, in Isaiah 26... Verse 1, it says, In that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. You see, the tearing down of the walls of Jerusalem pointed to the end of salvation within the churches and congregations. When Satan and his army, his emissaries, came against the church. They tore down the walls. No more salvation was to be found in any church, in any congregation, in all the world. It didn't matter what kind of church. didn't matter uh, where they were located, how, how large, how small. No salvation. The walls were torn down. The walls fell. And and what does God say? Uh, Do to her what she has done to you. That's what it said in Revelation 18. Reward her even as she has rewarded you. Pay her the way she has paid you. She tore down your walls. Well, shout against her roundabout. Jeremiah 50.15 she has given her hand. Her foundations are fallen. Her walls are thrown down. Why? For it is the vengeance of Jehovah. Take vengeance upon her as she has done due unto her. The vengeance of Jehovah. You ruined salvation within the churches and congregations. That's what Babylon did or Sometimes we, uh, going back and forth between the historical Babylon and the spiritual Babylon, I, I might trip over myself and, and refer to the historical, but, but I think you understand what Satan did and his forces was to ruin the gospel, ruin the salvation, the, the wonderful salvation God had provided via the churches, through the churches for for 1,955 years. They destroyed salvation within the congregations. No more were being saved. That primarily was the judgment upon the church, the, the removal of God's spirit, and the entering in of Satan's spirit brought about that spiritual destruction and the poor souls numbering about two billion that are typified by one third, they uh, continue to 
uh, go to church and, and be in a place where the walls were torn down. There was no salvation. And, and now God says, it, it is the vengeance of Jehovah, the vengeance upon Babylon, as she has done, do unto her. And, and God has torn down her wall. Now, how did Babylon ever have a wall, a, a wall of salvation? Well, remember what God did when he ended the church age? He began the latter reign. Well, not exactly at the same time. The church age ended in 1988. And, and then there was that grievous period of 2300 evening mornings. But then in September of 1994, beginning on the first day of the seventh Hebrew month, September 7th, uh, was the Gregorian calendar date that had the underlying Hebrew calendar date of the first day of the seventh month. When a jubilee trumpet would be sound, God began to uh, once again uh, evangelize the world with a second jubilee period, as 1994 was a jubilee year. And he began to send forth the latter rain outside of the churches and congregations and to save a great multitude. So, you see, walls have to do with salvation. That's the spiritual identification. Her walls are salvation. Well, God began to save outside the church, and and spiritually, that would, would be Babylon. That would be in the world, outside of the church. And, and God saved the great multitude. So there was walls of Babylon. Great salvation was taking place. But then came the end of the Great Tribulation, simultaneously the end of the latter reign, and and simultaneous with that, the end of the second jubilee, and the end of salvation, May 21, 2011, and therefore Babylon's wall fell. Now, what Babylon had accomplished and, and performed upon the church, God was doing to Babylon. No more salvation. No more gospel blessing where a sinner could become saved. Her foundations are fallen. Her walls are thrown down. And it's all a result of the vengeance of Jehovah. And, and again... To be even more specific, in Jeremiah 51, it says in verse 11, Make break the arrows, gather the shields. Jehovah has raised up the spirit of the kings of the Medes, for his device is against Babylon to destroy it, because it is the vengeance of Jehovah, the vengeance of his temple. The temple has been destroyed. The church has been destroyed. By May 21, 2011, the, the whole corporate body is a spiritual wasteland. It's a spiritual desolation. The abomination of desolation has resided in, in the congregations. And therefore now it is the day of vengeance, the vengeance of the temple, the vengeance of God's church. And that's what 
that God is speaking of here in Jeremiah 50:15. It is the vengeance of Jehovah. Take vengeance upon her as she has done do unto her. Now, uh, let's just read verse 16. Uh, we're not going to have um, too much time to get into it. But it says, Cut off the sower from Babylon, and him that handleth the sickle in the time of harvest. For fear of the oppressing sword, they shall turn everyone to his people, and they shall flee everyone to his own land. Cut off the sower from Babylon, and him that handleth the sickle in the time of harvest. Now it's interesting that God here is relating Babylon's fall to the time of harvest. And remember what Matthew 13 tells us in the parable of the the wheat and the tares. When Christ is explaining the parable, he says the harvest is the end of the world. And, and that again is further confirmation. The judgment on Babylon, just as Isaiah 13 Chapter 13 pointed out is the judgment of the world at the time of the end. And, and so God here easily identifies Babylon's judgment with the time of harvest. And, and notice he says, cut off the sower and him that handleth the sick, the sickle from Babylon. Now we do know God has ended the sowing process. But has he ended the reaping process? And and the answer is no, as a, a reaper uses a sickle to reap. No, no. And and we we have to be careful with this verse because God is not here uh speaking of cutting off the sowing process to Babylon. He he does that in other places or, or cutting off the, the idea of sowing the gospel in order that the people hear and become saved. That, that's mentioned in Deuteronomy and we can gather that from many scriptures. So the process isn't in view here. What's in view here is the individual. That is cut off the sower from Babylon and him that handleth the sickle. Now, the sower, if we turn to Matthew 13, that same parable I mentioned a little earlier, the the parable of the wheat and the tares, it says in Matthew 13, verse 37, in the explanation of the parable, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. The sower is the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus Christ. And and uh, we would find he's also the one that handles the sickle. Um, running short on time, but let's go to Revelation 14, in verse 14. And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. So the, both the sower and him that handleth the sickle in the time of harvest, as Revelation 14 is describing uh, the end of the world. And again, the harvest is the end of the world. Both are references to 
the Lord Jesus Christ himself, the Son of Man, the Son of God. Cut off the sower, cut off Christ from Babylon, and him that handleth the sickle, Christ, in the time of harvest. Um, well, it's what we've already known, and God again is hammering the same point home. How can we miss it any longer? How can anyone miss it if they're honest? If they're honest with themselves, if they're being honest with the word of God, how can you miss it? Cut off Christ from Babylon. And and when does that harvest take place? When does Babylon's harvest occur? Well, let me just go here quickly in Joel 3. In Joel chapter 3, we we read in verse 13, Put ye in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, get you down, for the press is full, the fats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of Jehovah is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon shall be darkened, and the stars shall withdraw their shining. When is the harvest? Well, here it's related to the darkened sun and moon and stars. The same language that was in Isaiah 13, the same language of Matthew 24, 29, which says immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun shall be darkened. Immediately after the tribulation will come the harvest, the end of the world, and we are in the harvest time. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship Sunday Bible Study. For more information or to hear additional Bible studies, be sure to visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com.